You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. I invite you to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And if you don't have your own copy of Scripture with you this morning, you could open up your Pew Bible. It's page 810 in your Pew Bible, page 810. You know, there's an old urban legend called the Boiling Frog Syndrome. You ever hear of it? The premise is pretty simple. Brian, I might need to be turned down a hair up here. It's kind of a weird uh, echo going on. Thank you. If a frog is put into a kettle of boiling water, it will immediately jump out to save itself from harm. However, if a frog is put into lukewarm water and the temperature is gradually increased, it will not perceive any immediate danger. And since it's only only slightly uncomfortable, the frog will continue to adapt to the environment, convincing itself this is just the new normal, the change is normal. And so by the time the temperature increases to a level that is life-threatening, it's going to be too late. The frog will not have the strength to escape the boiling water. Now, church, I don't know if this urban legend is true or not. but what And don't go home and try it. That'd be kind of weird. (laughs) But what is true is that this adage is a reflection of the relationship between the culture and the church, especially today. For many years now, our culture has slowly but surely become increasingly more hostile towards Christianity. And we, like the frog, have learned to adapt to the new normal. However, we're beginning to reach a point when the intensity is starting to get turned up. And if we don't respond appropriately, we're going to be spiritually burned up. You see, persecution of God's people is as old as human history. In fact, a quick glance in the Old Testament saints reveals this reality. In Hebrews uh, chapter 11, it kind of sums it up nicely. It says, some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and of goats, destitute, afflicted, and mistreated. And then this persecution continued into the New Testament era. Uh, Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, And there arose a great persecution against the church. And And this persecution wasn't limited to just biblical times. It was actually recently reported that in 2019, that Christian persecution is at near genocide levels in the world today. You don't see that reported in the news, do you? In fact, there are some places in our world where Christianity is at risk of disappearing entirely. Now, admittedly, we have not experienced anything close to this level of persecution here in the States. However, just because we haven't doesn't mean we won't. I mean, just this past year, we've seen little glimpses of it. Many churches in the States faced unprecedented harassment and intimidation simply for having their doors open. And so all this to say, this type of persecution will likely escalate in the days to come. And so we need to prepare our hearts for it. In his book, The Blessing of Humility, Jerry Bridges notes, he says, I think the kettle of our culture has been heating up for some time and will soon reach boiling stage. So we, as Christians, need to be prepared to respond in ways that honor God. That honor God. And churches, that is by far the most important thing to remember is to respond to persecution in ways that honor God. And so this morning, as we continue our study on the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to find Jesus uh, preaching on the subject of persecution and how to respond to it. 
And it's through our study that we're going to be reminded of a really important truth to remember, and it's this. God will reward his persecuted people. And so with that, I'm going to pray and we'll hop into God's word today. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for the opportunity to open up your word to this very important passage. Father, I pray that you would allow us to be encouraged by it today. Persecution is not an easy uh, topic and it's certainly not easy to go through. But Lord, you are so gracious in your word to uh, forewarn us, God, and explain to us the blessings that come through it and how we should respond to it. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would use the power of your word and your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts this morning. And all God's people said, amen. So before we jump into today's passage, I'm just going to give you a little context of where we're at. Of course, we're on our series on the Sermon on the Mount. And, uh, and we call the Sermon on the Mount the Sermon on the Mount uh, because Jesus gave it on a mount <laughs> in Capernaum. However, uh, don't let the simple name fool you because this sermon is by far uh, the most famous sermon Jesus ever preached. In it, he covered a variety of topics on godly living, beginning with the Beatitudes, which are declarations of blessings for those who choose to, do, choose to do life God's way. Dr. Tony Evans notes, he said, Jesus pronounced these blessings on people with a kingdom mindset. Those who consciously and unapologetically align their lives under the rule of God. In other words, when believers live out what Jesus laid out, there is blessing. And so you might say the Beatitudes describe the ideal disciple, one whose character and lifestyle is remarkably different than those uh, in the world around them. And so last week, Pastor Dave, he reviewed the first seven of these defining characteristics, and this morning we're going to look at the eighth. And so it's with this context that we're going to read today's passage, and then we'll break it down. So it's Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 10. I believe it'll be on the screen if you'd like to follow along that way. Jesus said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets... Who were before you. You know, church, I've heard it said that Satan has three lines of attack. First, he tries to keep men from becoming Christians. And then, if foiled there, he tries to keep them from being active and useful as Christians. And finally, as a last resort, he tries to blacken their characters. And, church, one of the primary ways that Satan tries to blacken the character of a Christ follower is through persecution. And of course, Jesus understood this, which is why he talked about it very often with his disciples. And we see it actually all laid out in the New Testament for us. And so in today's study, we're going to look at four principles of persecution. Principles that, if properly understood and applied, will go a long way in helping us remain faithful when faced with persecution of our own. So let's begin by looking at the first. It's this, the presence of persecution. Look again at verse 10. Blessed are those who are what? Persecuted. You know, a few weeks ago, I was in the process of selling my old truck. Now, the truck itself has a lot of life left in it. However, those who wanted to enjoy the life-giving aspects of the truck needed to recognize that it came as is. In other words, because it was an older truck, it had general wear and tear, some body issues, some rust spots. Basically, whoever wanted to buy the truck needed to recognize that some of the not-so-desirable aspects of the truck simply came with the territory. 
Well, the same is true when it comes to being a follower of Christ. There are many life-giving aspects to being a Christian, aspects that are more than worth the cost. However, with being a Christian, we also must recognize that it comes as is, meaning the not-so-desirable aspects, namely persecution, simply come with the territory. You know, church, it's no accident that Jesus saved this beatitude for last. And it's also no accident that he spent additional time expanding on it. John MacArthur noted, those who faithfully live according to the first seven beatitudes are guaranteed at some point to experience the eighth. You see, to live for Christ is to live in opposition to Satan. And because Satan doesn't like those who oppose him, there's going to be some resistance there. In fact, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12 says, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will what? Be persecuted. How many of you want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus? How many of you like this verse? But that's the deal, right? It, the presence of persecutions, it comes as is. It's part of the package. Now, even though this reality is sobering, it shouldn't be surprising. After all, Jesus experienced persecution, so we as his followers should expect uh, the same. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, 20, he said, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. We don't like that. We want to be greater. We don't want to, you know, it's part of our culture. We want to fight back. We want to push against it. But Jesus said, look, you ain't greater than me. I mean, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute my followers. It's part of the deal. And so, friends, all this to say the presence of persecution is a very real part of our faith. Will it always be there? No, it won't always be there. Will we experience seasons of peace? Yes. However, if we're truly living for the Lord, there will inevitably be seasons of persecution. In fact... The only way for a Christian to avoid persecution is to live no differently than the world. So if you want to get out of it, just blend in with the environment around you. One commentator noted, to mimic the world's standards or to never criticize them will cost us nothing. To keep quiet about the gospel, especially the truth that apart from its saving power, men remain in their sins and are destined for hell, will cost us nothing. To go along with the world... To be ashamed to take a stand for Christ will not bring persecution. You see, those who fall in line with the masses will never have anything to fear. It's only those who stand in opposition to the world that will face opposition from the world. Think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those three guys, right? Remember that story? Everybody else bowed down. They, they wouldn't. They stood up. That's what it kind of looks like. And you've got to believe you're going to get pushback for doing that. This leads us to the second principle, the precedent for persecution. Look at verses 10 and 11. Blessed are those who are persecuted, read this with me, for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on whose account? On my account, on Christ's account. In 1993, the film Cool Runnings was released. Any Cool Runnings people? Some people say, you know, they can't believe. <laughs> Nothing? Jamaica, we got a bobsled team. You guys all wanted to do it. You were just nervous to start it, and so whatever. 
But as you might recall, the movie was loosely based on the Jamaican bobsled team, the first Jamaican bobsled team, uh, their debut during the 1988 Olympics. And uh, in the movie, there's this scene during the qualifying trials when Team Jamaica, they, they stood out like a sore thumb. See, they came walking off a box truck, and they were all dressed in brightly colored Jamaican clothes, kind of unmatching, and they were carrying an old dilapidated bobsled uh, to the starting point. And so when people noticed their arrival on the scene, the whole place went silent, and they stared at these fish out of water. And so once they were ready to begin, a scoffer from another team began to hurl insults at the Jamaican bobsled team. And at this point, one member, one member of Team Jamaica said to the other, does it seem to you like nobody likes us? And his teammate responded, we're different. People are always afraid of what's different. Well, church, just as the Jamaican bobsled team stood out to the world around them, we as believers should stand out to the world around us. We're called to look different. And because we're called to look different, we should expect some awkward stares at times, some insults, mockery, ridicule, threats, and worst case scenario, even physical harm. Because people are always afraid of what's different. And this is especially true if what makes us different, the difference maker, is Jesus Christ. See, you could be different and not have Jesus, but if you're different because of Jesus, the world doesn't like that. In this beatitude, Jesus is forewarning his listeners that when you display kingdom characteristics, that is, when you live according to God's ways, and pledge your allegiance to Christ and Christ alone, in some way or another, at some point or another, there's going to be persecution. In fact, Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. You see, there's something unique about Jesus that the world simply can't stand. And so when you choose to identify yourself with Jesus, there's going to be some unique things about you that the world simply can't stand. Just make sure those things are Jesus-related and not you-related. But why? Because those who align themselves with Christ, they carry a special light that people don't like. John chapter 3, verses 19 and 20 says, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. And people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. And so for everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his work should be exposed. You know, during the night shift, many police officers have a bright light attached to their cruiser. They also carry a flashlight on their belt. Why? Because the light exposes what's going on in the darkness. If they pull someone over or investigate the scene of a potential crime, the light will show what's happening on the inside. And and usually there's one of three responses to the light. Perpetrators will either fight, flight, or follow. In other words, they're going to either try to fight the officer, flee from the officer, or admit their wrongdoing and follow the officer. Well, in the same way believers carry a special light, the light of Christ, into the darkness of this world, exposing the evils of sin. And generally speaking, the world's going to respond to believers in one of these same three ways. Fight, flight, or follow. Of course, our goal is to get them to follow the light, right? And we certainly don't want to have them run away from the light when they see us coming. The Christians are coming! The Christians are coming! We don't want that. Although some people do because we can be really weird sometimes. Can't we? We don't want to be weird. 
But there's also many in the world who respond by fighting the light, which often comes in the form of persecution. But church, for the believer, we must remember that persecution isn't always a bad thing. Billy Graham said, persecution is one of the natural consequences of living the Christian life. It is to the Christian what growing pains are to the growing child. No pain, no development. No suffering, no glory. No struggle, no victory. No persecution, no reward. You see, the Lord has a way of taking what's meant for bad in our lives and using it for good. And man, what a, what a faithful line of followers and examples of countless, not just the heroes of the faith, but, but believers and missionaries and martyrs for our faith that have come and gone since the dawn of Christianity. I mean, what a wonderful example uh, of, of people that have remained faithful through the fire. I love what, um, what James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 uh, says. You guys know these verses well, but let's read them. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, Consider it an opportunity for great joy. Anybody struggle with that one? For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. See, God has a way of taking what's meant for bad, using it for good. Now, just as a disclaimer, this is not to say that we should seek persecution. In other words, we shouldn't be on our knees praying, Oh, Lord, I pray that a pagan would punch me in the face for my faith today. Or, Lord, I pray that the government would really oppress me today on account of my faith. If you pray that way, you're kind of a weirdo. We shouldn't, the Bible never says to to pray for persecution or to wish it upon yourself. But rather, when persecution inevitably comes, because it will, we can take solace in knowing that God will use it for our good if we respond appropriately. And that brings us to the third principle, the perspective for persecution. Look at uh, the first part of verse 12. Rejoice and be glad. Rejoice and be glad. You know, on August 21st, 2017, we experienced the Great American Eclipse. Any of you guys remember that, the Great American Eclipse? Uh, Many of you might remember it was a total solar eclipse eclipse that spanned across the entire United States. And in order to enjoy the eclipse, you needed to have a special pair of glasses. And in fact, I I kept those glasses for the next go-around, so I don't have to go searching for them when the next eclipse comes, whenever that might be. But you really couldn't view the event without these glasses because the power of the eclipse was blinding. You're looking directly in the sun. And so, you see, the perspective by which you viewed the natural event needed to be altered so that you could experience the blessing of the event. Without a proper change of perspective, the event was nothing more than painful. Well, church, when it comes to persecution, we need to change our perspective. And this is important. We need to change our perspective. When we fail to put on the proper lenses, persecution is always going to be nothing but painful. However, when we put on the lenses of Christ, we begin to see things differently. When Jesus said rejoice and be glad, that Greek word for be glad literally means to skip and jump with happy excitement. 
In a parallel passage to this beatitude, Jesus said in Luke chapter 6, 23 to 23, he said, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you, and revile you, and spurn your name as evil on account of the Son of Man. He says, rejoice in that day, and leap for joy. If you are, like, have Baptist roots, this is permission to dance a little bit, okay? <sighs> leap for joy. I mean, do you see how radical this is? Leap for joy when persecuted. Let's be honest, leaping for joy is not a natural response to persecution. But church, therein lies the power of our faith. You see, when we wholly submit to God's rule and reign over our lives, when we wholly commit to kingdom living in time, Through the study and application of God's word and the power of his Holy Spirit, our perspective begins to change. And in turn, we're given a supernatural ability to respond to persecution in a way that is totally counterintuitive to our natural inclinations. So much so that we even begin to understand and experience what Jesus meant when he said, blessed or happy are those who are persecuted. I love the perspective that's given in 1 Peter chapter 4, uh, verses 12 through 14, and then verse 16. It says, Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you're going through, as if something strange were happening to you. He says, instead, read what's in yellow. Instead, be very glad, for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering, so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it is revealed to all the world. Let's read this again. So be happy when you are insulted for being a Christian, for then the glorious spirit of God rests upon you. And then verse 16, but it is no shame to suffer for being a Christian, but praise God for the privilege of being called by his name. You see, perspective, perspective. And look, I'm not going to tell you, like, this is, this is a hard one because it's not like, I mean, I'm your pastor, right? I don't always respond this way. You know what I'm saying? A persecution. So I'm not trying to, pre- I'm not preaching to you from a position of arrival here. I'm just telling you, this is what God's word, God's word teaches. That, 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 that when we're getting put through the fire, instead of complaining and, 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 and falling, uh, finding ourselves being, being more and more unfaithful to God, we got to switch perspectives, and, and, and the Lord is telling us, no, remain faithful and praise God. Every time you're going through the ringer, praise God for being called a Christian. This past week, I just read the story of a missionary who was, who was burned at the stake. This was back in 1555. And as he, was, as he was tied to this piece of wood, he was praising God. He was singing some kind of song. I don't remember what the song was, a hymn of the faith. And as he was singing... Uh, those that were torturing him, they got this big piece of wood and they chucked it right at his head. And, and his response was this. See what he did? He just ruined a perfectly good song. And then he started singing again until he was burned to death. And it just got me to thinking, like, man, that's perspective, right? That's perspective. We've got, there's, there are countless stories, whether it's the Fox's uh, Book of Martyrs, which is a great book to read. There's another book called Jesus Freaks. There's actually two volumes of it, but it's all these stories about our brothers and sisters in Christ all across the world who have faced persecution, died for their faith, and remained faithful to the end. And they're great examples for us to follow. And, and why, why, why do they remain faithful? Well, I think it has something to do with this fourth principle, and it's this, the promise for the persecuted, the promise. 
Look at verse 12b, second half there. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. You know, last summer, my extended family and I, we went to the Sleeping Bear Sand Dunes in Michigan. And basically, the Sleeping Bear Dunes are these massive sand dunes that if you hike, hike them all the way through, they're going to lead you to a swimming hole in Lake Michigan. And in fact, the only way to get to this particular swimming hole is through the sand dunes. And on this, on this particular day, it was well over 90 degrees. And on the sand, it must have been well over 100 degrees. It was piping hot. And, and nevertheless, we decided to do the, the whole three-and-a-half-mile hike up and down these dunes in the heat of the day. Let me tell you, it was, it was not an easy task. I mean, when you're hiking, up in, hiking on sand in general, like that takes a wear and tear on your body. And when you're with little kids, I mean, that's a big deal as well. When you're with me, the biggest kid, it's really bad. I mean, many of us were thirsty and weak. There were points when we wanted to give up, turn around, go back. In fact, about halfway through, many of us began to question whether or not it was even worth it. Nevertheless, we kind of all came together and mutually encouraged each other to keep on going. And then once we finally arrived at the cold, crystal clear water of Lake Michigan, let me tell you, it was like instant relief. And so as we sat there bobbing on the water with smiles on our faces, we all agreed that the reward was well worth the struggle. Well, church, the same is true when we follow God's path for kingdom living. You know, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be times of weakness and doubt. There's going to be times of questioning. There's going to be times when the heat of persecution is intense and even debilitating. I pray those times don't come, but you almost sense that they're, they're right around the corner for us. And it's during these times that we must mutually encourage one another as the church. Encourage each other with Christ's words, for your reward is great in heaven. And remember that the reward is well worth the struggle. And one more thing, whatever form of persecution we may face in the days to come, we must also remember that we're in really good company. Look how Jesus closed. He closed by saying, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Church, listen, we have a heritage of heroes of the faith who have run their race, went through the ringer, and received their reward. Understand that when we're persecuted on account of Christ, we stand in the ranks of prophets. Like, that's, that's big. And I'm convinced that if they could come back and tell us anything, they'd say this, stay faithful and keep on keeping on because in the end, you're going to see that it was worth it. I recently heard it said, actually, it was a, it was a Facebook post Pastor Dave shared the other day. It says this, your first five minutes in heaven will more than make up for a lifetime of suffering on earth. How about it? Amen? Of course, the Apostle Paul said it best in Romans 8.18. He said, For I consider the sufferings of this present time not even worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And so, friends, that leads us back to today's truth to remember. God will reward Because when God says it, it's true. He will reward his persecuted people. So friends, the Christian life will not always be easy, but it will always be worth it. We need to remember that. 
In fact, again, Billy Graham once said, I've never known a man who received Christ and ever regretted it. You see, despite the persecution that may come your way, you'll never regret a life with Jesus. And I'm not talking about a life that, that uh, you know, you have Jesus is a part of it. And you don't really carry much Jesus into your week. I'm saying you're never going to regret a life where Jesus is your life. And you carry Jesus with you every single day into your work week, into your school. Wherever you are, you're taking Jesus with you. That's the life you're never going to regret because you're going to see how faithful he is and how sustaining he is and how his strength just keeps you moving. In fact, the most miserable Christians on planet Earth are, are the ones that are only Christians on Sunday morning for an hour. Jesus said in John 10.10, I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. You want that abundant life? You've got you to carry Jesus with you every day not just one day a week. And so if you're here this morning having never received Christ, I want to invite you to do so even today. Sure, coming to Christ might bring some persecution, but I'm going to tell you, you're never going to regret a life with Jesus. The Bible teaches that all of us are sinners in need of a Savior, and God and his great love for you and I sent Jesus to save us. Jesus died on a cross and rose again to pay the penalty for your sin and give you the opportunity to be saved to have eternal life and to experience the abundant life he offers this side of eternity. And you can receive this free gift by admitting that you're a sinner, repenting of your sin and believing in the person and work of Jesus, trusting in him and him alone to save you. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. You have one of two choices. You can leave here with the wrath of God remaining on you. Or you can leave here knowing for sure that you're going to spend eternal life with Jesus. And it's simply by placing your faith in him. And so as we close, I'd like to invite the praise team forward. If you'd like to receive the eternal life that Jesus offers, as an affirmation of your decision, I'm going to ask you to come forward. And you can come forward during the closing song. You can come forward during the dismissal. You can come sit up here in the front pew if you'd like. But I invite you to come forward nonetheless to say why. Well, because whenever Jesus called someone to follow him in the New Testament, he called them publicly. You don't need to be ashamed or embarrassed to receive Jesus because it's the greatest decision you're ever going to make in your life. And if you'd like to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, simply come forward. It would be my joy just to pray with you after the service. But we're going to close by singing about the eternal home that awaits us. And so let's pray, and then I'll invite you guys to stand, and we'll sing together. But again, if you need to come to faith in Christ, you come. Come this morning. Lord God, I want to thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you that I'm sure when you originally preached this sermon, people listened to you and probably were, what is he talking about? Blessed are the persecuted. And Lord, we have the same response today. It's hard to wrap our minds around the blessings that come through our pain. God, I thank you that your word reminds us that even though there is persecution, that, we get, that makes us partners with Jesus. And so we get to identify with our Savior through that, and you promise it'll all be worth it, that the reward is worth the struggle. God, thank you for that, because it would be a lot harder having not had these promises in your word. 
We love you, Lord Jesus. Help us to own the truths of today. And if there's anybody here that needs to place their faith in Christ, may they come. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.